0: The San Andreas fault line is not like a mouse trap. Like, you can't just spring that shit early if you want to. You're not going to do us a favor by bombing us and setting it off a little early. It's, it's still <laughs> fucking coming. Every time I, like, tell my mother I'm applying to UCLA for my PhD, she's like, but then you'll die in the earthquake. Like, well, mom. Uh, thanks, mom. If they give me full grant funding, I'm willing to go. The last thoughts before I'm crushed by a falling parkade is, uh, oh, well. Don't have to pay my student loans back.
1: That solves that, I guess. I can li- live the rest of my extremely short existence, not worrying. I've never been this relaxed. I got a generous stipend. I got a piece of rebar through my stomach, but I lived well these past five months. <laughs> it's <been> excellent. <laughs> oui, c'est vrai.
0: Je suis un ananas. Now, in the uh, towers of uh, Edmonton... I'm not a thore, I don't speak of sides. I do not use crack cocaine, nor am I an addict.
1: Welcome back to Fat, French, and Fabulous. I'm Jessica, the person who speaks first.
0: And I'm Janelle, typically the person who speaks second. I don't know why we're narrating this.
1: (laughs) I'm getting meta with it. I'm experimenting. It's avant-garde. We're living a brave new world. This
0: is your experimental phase, I guess? (laughs) I prefer to think it was my blue period. (laughs) (laughs) You know, most people just have lesbian experiences in college. They don't actually experiment with narrating what it is that they do.
1: Please, I'm too shy to look a woman in the eye.
0: I don't... Oh, I don't really know where to start with that one from a mental health perspective. But, oh, nothing that's about to go down on this episode is good for anybody's mental health, Absolutely so we may as not. well... Absolutely not. Oh,
1: no. Oh, I can't believe I condone this. <laughs> yeah, we're going surprisingly mainstream today with a topic about World War II, which is just as... As history goes, is so passe. It's overdone, but today it's a necessity because we're going <laughs> to be talking about bombs,
0: uh,
1: specifically intercontinental ballistic missiles. Everybody's favorite party favor. Yeah, basically the reason why you can name Kim Jong Un supreme dipshit of the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, which, incidentally, is neither democratic of the people or a republic.
0: It is, however,
1: 100% Korea. Or 50% Korea, depending on how you think of it.
0: Yikes. (laughs) Oh, that's a joke you can only make on certain coordinates on the map. (laughs) Uh,
1: I'm significantly well no I'm actually not significantly inland anymore I'm at risk
0: (laughs) you know what I live on west coast west coast uh... (laughs) I mean you're closer but I'm a much shinier target true
1: (laughs) yeah like nuking nuking Vancouver would just be like way too hipster it's not mainstream enough
0: (laughs) Mm, you gotta hit the world where it hurts
1: yeah, it's not the Adele of bombing strike. It's more like the, I don't know, arrogant worms.
0: We're flirting dangerously close to a nine eleven joke that we can <laughs> never take back.
1: So I think Moving just- on.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, so, yeah, like, you don't know who's in charge of Vietnam. I don't mean to assume, but you probably also don't know who's in charge of Thailand or Laos or Cambodia, because none of them has ever casually threatened to turn you or anyone you know into an ashy smear on a wall from 10,000 clicks away.
0: Yeah, a lot of my American friends don't even seem to be 100% clear that (laughs) Vietnam won the Vietnam War.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They're not ready. They're not ready to know who the Prime Minister is.
0: That's not, it seems to be, like, a point, even among, like, younger, I mean, I work with veterans, so, mm. like, I, you know, some of these Vietnam vets are a little War salty stuff. about how things went down. You know, okay, yeah. understandable, you didn't want to go, you had to go, it was a, it was not a good time. Involuntary. You did heroin, you did heroin in the jungle, and it sucked.
1: Yeah, you know? show okay. me on the doll where the draft touched you, you know?
0: Uh, everywhere.
1: Everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, Especially everywhere. deep inside. Oh, dear God. <laughs>
0: That's, oh my God, just violently fisting a doll in a. <laughs> nope, no, I can't make those jokes. I'm going to work with kids someday. Um. <laughs> I've had to work with those dolls, too, so just the mm. image of somebody just fisting its head is not... This is what happened! <laughs> <laughs> just ripped open the seam and just dig around in the... Oh, no. It's no, spreading no, 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 the no, cotton no. everywhere. Nope, <laughs> nope, 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 nope. Not okay. <laughs> None of this is okay.
1: Deeply un-okay.
0: No, but like, younger Americans, like, mm-hmm. educated, smart college students don't seem 100% clear that their country even lost the Vietnam War. It's Like, you guys... This is, this is, Vietnam is, I think, yeah. still communist. Y- yeah. <laughs> Wars have consequences. Yeah, like, there's a lot of, you know, I, I work I work with veterans and there's people, you know, even my liberal quinoa f- friends are, uh, you know, the Vietnam War, they fought for our freedom. <laughs> I was like, no, they mostly just fucked around in a jungle and got sent home in Vietnam.
1: Everyone just got dysentery and was sad. I don't know. I don't know how you remember this.
0: And then communism won anyway. You just you basically pulled out,
1: like <laughs> yeah, like it, it's amazing how Americans remember winning, no matter how badly the defeat. <laughs> it's almost admirable.
0: It's been fun. It's also it's also fun to hear how they won World War Two. That's yeah, that's, that's fun.
1: a fun fact. I did not know that.
0: You know, Canada went to World War Two at the beginning. We showed up when the host was still putting out chips and, you know, doing some last minute we brought we brought some potluck yeah. you know, we showed up right at the beginning to help set up and we stayed at the end to help clean up and yeah. America just showed up three quarters of the way through and passed out on the couch.
1: Yeah uh, America came in like about an hour before the party started winding down busted through the door, did a keg stand and then passed out like a bitch beside the sofa. Yeah.
0: <laughs> So this is, this is how we get blacklisted by the U.S. military. If the NSA is listening to our podcast, we will definitely know for sure now. Hi, Chad. Now that we've shit all over 30 years of U.S. military involvement.
1: <laughs> awesome. American foreign policy is just a very big, very weak target.
0: 70 years, actually. We've shit on 70 years of U.S. military involvement. Oh, so man, you've we're
1: a- ambitious today. I haven't even introduced the topic. Yeah, if
0: you've got (laughs) opinions about Iraq, I guess now's the
1: time. Speak or forever hold your peace. (laughs) At least somebody would then. Maybe hold
0: your peace. Your opinions (laughs) on Iraq are probably a war crime.
1: Probably. Almost definitely. Statistically. There was both too Um, much and not enough waterboarding for you. Incidentally, Prime Minister... Hun Sen of Cambodia, did recently threaten the West with violent reprisal, but the specific threat was to follow Australian protesters' home and personally beat them up with his own two fists.
0: Yeah, everyone's like, go home, Cambodia, you're drunk.
1: <laughs> oh, Okay there, Mr. Hun, was it? I, I think someone's gonna bring you home. I, I'll keep your keys. <laughs> <laughs> These are coming with me.
0: Yeah, there's. I mean, if we're if we're making offensive comparisons to uh, house parties, Cambodia is still cleaning up after the Project X that was the Pol Pot regime. Mm. So,
1: yeah, yeah, that's that. It's, this is w- that was not good.
0: This these metaphors are going to keep me from ever running for office. I hope you understand <laughs> that the gravity of what's I- being said.
1: I I think our listeners can take comfort in that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's probably a good thing. If
1: nothing else, they can rest assured you will never hold important office. (laughs) It's for the best, really. (laughs) Mm. I just, I kind of want to run one day. So just so someone will create a remix of every offensive thing I've ever said. I'm looking forward to it, especially if it's like really good. Like if it has like a good beat.
0: That's true. That's less effort than making our own horrifying highlight reel. Just run for office. Someone else will do it for
1: you. So viable intercontinental ballistic missiles were first put into operation in the late 50s and early 60s by the United States and the USSR as part of the Cold War. Both countries' ICBM programs were cribbed off the nascent Nazi missile program, Project America, with a K, two Ks actually, intended to create a rocket capable of crossing the Atlantic Ocean and directly striking the American homeland.
0: I just like that you're saying this in the, like, the chipper tone of voice that a flight attendant uses to tell you what kind of juice is available. We have orange juice and tomato juice, which for some reason everybody fucking drinks on flights. And uh, we also have intercontinental death and destruction. Would you like cookies or pretzels? (laughs) Or a forever war against terrorism.
1: Forever war? Okay, well, I'm going to give you another nap and that could get messy. (laughs) That's all we need. And there we have the Iraq war. There we have the... uh... We've solved Yemen. (laughs) Yeah, more there we napkins.
0: go. More napkins. Mm, more
1: napkins, <laughs> left fewer drones. Oh, dear God. Uh, after wo- Germany's defeat in World War II, Soviet and American governments appropriated wholesale the Nazi military's resources, intellectual materials, and scientists, which, as plagiarism goes, isn't so much peering over Germany's shoulder when the teacher isn't looking as breaking into Germany- Germany's locker, stealing its homework, and presenting it to the teacher as your own. It's ballsy. Bold strategy. Also, I think it... It might involve actual kidnapping. And and a lot of hardening Nazi war criminals. A lot of that. Operation Paperclip was a trip. Mm. Uh, Cold War ICBMs were by no means the first weapons with an intercontinental range, however. That honor goes to the Fusen Bakudan, the Japanese Fugo program.
0: Oh, fun. Who were they trying to blow up? Oh, no, it was us. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it was the United States yep. of America. Hang on, never mind. And incidentally <laughs> the Canadian Western Coast.
0: Why? What did what did the fucking Canadians what did we do? Well, I let's just say that the average free balloon
1: is not a particularly accurate weapon.
0: Do they hate Nanaimo bars? Yeah, just a
1: real resentment of uh of beavers and, and oko pogo.
0: Too much coconut and custard. Can't combine mm. those things. Gotta go.
1: The European theater during World War II was characterized by multiple fronts of snaking, miles-long trenches, and slow, slogging warfare where weeks and months could be spent fighting over the same 100-yard stretch of barren, bombed-out mud, occasionally broken up by aerial dogfights and the bombing of large, hapless, civilian populations. It
0: was not a good time for landscaping. It was at
1: best rather brutal and brutalism wouldn't come in for another two decades
0: that is an architecture joke
1: and you're fired <laughs> i don't pay you These are the yucks, people you're still fired <laughs> hey you know you didn't deserve me <laughs> i'm a genius
0: why is why is that a jewish deli owner accent <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's just something poignant about the smell of schmear and bologna I don't know, do Jewish people eat bologna? Presumably if it's made out of a cow.
0: It's bologna, <laughs> and that's what New Brunswickers eat for breakfast because we're poor
1: and sad. <laughs> the Pacific Ocean Theater, on the other hand, was characterized by aerial naval skirmishes between enemy fleets over strategically important islands either far either from the Japanese or the American mainland. The distance between North America and the Japanese home island, combined with the technological limits of the time, meant that neither side could easily strike the other directly, a fact which featured heavily in the Tojo government's propaganda about the war to its own citizens, that Japan was secure, safe, untouchable. Yeah,
0: it's like when you're fighting with your sibling and your mom just comes along and puts her hand on both your foreheads so you can't reach each other. (laughs) Except in this case, the mom holding your forehead is... The Pacific Ocean, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's basic geography.
0: <laughs> God damn it! Such a cock like block.
1: mom. I want to be right next to China. It's just like n- not until you finish your five million years of of absorbing absorbing the ocean plates, young man. <laughs> that was a geology joke. <laughs> that was a real tectonic plate joke. <laughs> this is got the yucks and also a range of deli meats. <laughs> This is,
0: I don't even know what this is anymore. You like this Rose is no beef, longer right? a comedy <laughs> podcast. Oh, dear God. This is not a comedy podcast. This is an episode of Bill <laughs> Nye that went off
1: the rails. <laughs> Japanese Imperial Navy Air Service's secret first strike attack on the American naval base at Pearl Harbor on Hawaii came early the morning of December 7th, 1941. The attack was in part retaliation for severe trade sanctions against the Japanese that the U.S. had helped coordinate alongside the British and the French in response to Japanese expansionism. The Pearl Harbor attack was likewise seen as a preemptive strike by Japanese command, which aimed to prevent the U.S. Pacific Fleet from interfering with the Japanese invasion of American and British-held territories in the West Pacific. In this, Japan almost certainly underestimated isolationist sentiment among the general population of the mainland United States and gave the far more hawkish American leadership the excuse it needed to declare war. They fucked up bad. They fucked up real bad. They fucked up
0: real bad. Real bad. They were like, we don't want the Americans to go to war, so we'll just bomb them real quick. But literally, America always wants to go to war. Always.
1: They are ready. You want to throw down... Just make brief fleeting eye eye contact with America's girlfriend and you've got a fight. We've we've been
0: nuking the Middle East indiscriminately for 17 years. Like you just give us a fucking reason and we're ready to go.
1: Oh any excuse.
0: Like, just be communist, not even in our general direction. We'll come invade. Like, no big
1: deal. <laughs> yeah, we will depose your leaders if we're feeling fancy. If
0: you don't want America to declare a war on you, you just leave them alone yeah. and wait for someone else to piss them off so that they declare war on them instead. Just stand back from the wild
1: flailing and go about your business. <laughs>
0: basically it. America's foreign policy is basically a runaway tractor tire. (laughs) Like, just stand out of the way,
1: it'll hit someone else eventually. (laughs) So, yeah, the Japanese, in an attempt to deter a strong American naval presence in the West Pacific, handily guaranteed it. Uh, As part of America's own retaliation for the attack on its Hawaiian base, April 18th, 1942, Lieutenant Colonel Jimmy Doolittle led a team of 16 B-4 25 Mitchell Medium bombers on a daring run on Honshu, Japan's main island, in the location of Tokyo, the Japanese capital. The bombers launched from the deck of the USS Hornet, a Navy aircraft carrier deep in the western Pacific Ocean, close enough to put the bombers in flight range. The original plan had been to launch at 500 miles east of Japan, but after spotting and sinking a Japanese vessel at 620 miles out, the B-25s took to the sky earlier due to concern that their location may have been compromised. Now, this might not seem all that strange to you, but one of the reasons the Japanese were so surprised by the Doolittle Raid is that the B-25 Mitchell was considered a land-based plane. Its empty weight, without fuel or ammunition, was 2,305 pounds. Basically a Toyota
0: Tercel flying through the air. This
1: is a huge vehicle. 9,210 kilos of machine. It is amazing this thing would ever get into the air.
0: It's like somebody, yeah, ramped a Cadillac
1: onto your country from the sea. (laughs) Yeah, like, it is basically a boat with wings. That is what this is. (laughs) It's a yacht someone fired into the sky. When you look at video of this thing taking off from the aircraft character, it looks like a heavily laden bumblebee, slowly falling off of a flower and just barely hatching itself before it can lazily fly into the sky. Yeah, so in normal circumstances, these B-25s would need far more runway to achieve liftoff than the 814-foot flight deck of the USS Hornet could offer. These things are literally too big to launch off an aircraft carrier.
0: So what if they push two aircraft carriers mm. together?
1: What, what? I could be a general. <laughs> I'm ready, coach. Put me in the game. Yeah, Lieutenant Colonel Doolittle, however, was something of an aviation pioneer. And he had the B-25s specially modified for, fuel, modified for fuel efficiency and stripped of all unnecessary equipment down to the essentials. No guns, no radios, nada. At this reduced weight, with the aircraft carrier running at full speed into a strong headwind, modified B-25s could just could just achieve minimum takeoff speed in only a few hundred feet. Again, like, we live in
0: an era where you can just sort of buy a three-ounce walkie-talkie at the store that will have mm-hmm. nine-mile range. Like, back in the day, like radios weighed about as much as a small child, and you had to just push it out of your plane if shit got real
1: hmm
0: Oh, absolutely. So you're making an incredibly risky uh, plane launch that is only theoretically
1: capable, and you have no way to contact anybody. Oh, yeah, because, like, they practice quite a bit in the month preceding the raid, but they never practice off of a boat. They just painted a outline of the aircraft carrier onto the tarmac, and they just tried their best. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Which, which is, like, amazing, right? <laughs> And you put the guys who were slower at it on the back, that way, when your B-51, is like, they're all lined up behind each other. There's not that much space. So, like, the first guy has got a lot, a lot riding on him. Chances are, if he fucks this up, he's going straight to the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> you know, this is why people get mad that we
0: don't take care of veterans, because, like, yeah. occasionally it's like, well, ramp yourself into the Pacific and see if you live.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and Doolittle was the, was the first one off. Uh, In a show of leadership that I'm not sure my bowels could handle. (laughs) (laughs) Brave man. (laughs) Uh, Once the bombers and their crews launched from the deck of the Hornet, without either their guns or a fighter escort, there was no turning back. While ideal conditions and special modifications allowed the bomber to take off from a carrier, they would still have needed far more runway in order to land. Oh, we can't get you down. They can't they can't get down. Once they're going, they're going. You're basically a Russian cosmonaut like mm. Yeah, we don't know if you're coming back. Here's a knife in case you meet a bear when you land in the forest.
0: Right? So you've made like a launch that nobody thought was physically capable in incredibly risky conditions and your reward is that you get to drop bombs on Japan with no radio contact and then crash land in Siberia.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, and in what fact, that was basically the plan. Uh, oh, Jesus Christ! Yeah, like the plan was to fly over Japan and then make it far enough into China, which was uh, allied with the Western powers, enough to land in land in Allied uh, airfields. But unless they got far enough, they would land in Chi- like in Japanese-controlled Chinese territory. Which is, mm, possibly ugly. Like, again, like, we really don't appreciate enough what our,
0: at this point, our great-grandfathers went through. Like, mm-hmm. you basically got a letter in the mail one day. You were just living your life, doing your thing. You got a letter in the mail,
1: and now you're... Like, like last week you were down at the sock hop, telling Dot she had the, the, the best gams you'd ever seen, and now you've got to drive off of a boat into the ocean in order to fight people uh, and maybe die in a jungle.
0: Yeah, you're, you're basically ramping a winged Dodge Challenger into fucking <laughs> Japanese-occupied China. Which <laughs> You grew up in rural Wisconsin. You've never been to China. You don't speak Chinese. You've
1: never seen a jungle.
0: No, you don't know what the fuck... And, like, your other options are, like, Crashland
1: in Japan or die in the ocean. Yeah, like literally the only Chinese these guys knew was I am an American soldier. I mean, you're white in China in 1942. They'll get They'll, they'll get figure that plan. out from context.
0: The smoking plane sticking out of the ground <laughs> behind you might, might be a, count valuable as a clue.
1: Hint. <laughs> Just point at it. They'll I mean, they they're peasants. They're mostly illiterate. I think they'll figure
0: that out. I think most people can figure that one out. I mm. I have
1: confidence. They're
0: gonna have some questions when you crash land in the middle of their food, but yeah, you know okay.
1: you're gonna you know, like faceplant in a rice field and it'll just execute somebody's cow. But they will figure out that you're an American.
0: <laughs> I don't really know what you're suppo- what they're what they're supposed to do with that information. Try their best,
1: I guess. <laughs> the, uh, the bombers approached Honshu from the north just after noon and in the space of an hour hit military and industrial targets throughout Tokyo, Yokohama, Osaka, Kobe, and, and Nagoya. The planes flew in an S-pattern over the rooftops to evade anti-air gun and guns and airborne Japanese defenders should any be following, which none were. Despite routine defensive drills, defenders in major Japanese cities were entirely taken off guard by the attack. After completing the bombing run, the bombers continued west, headed for the for allied airfields in China. Due to deteriorating weather conditions and insufficient fuel, none of the planes made it to the intended rendezvous. Instead, 15 of the planes were forced to bail out or make emergency land, landings throughout eastern China. The 16th plane successfully landed in Soviet v- Vladivostok, where the crew, of the, the crew of five was held in relative comfort by Soviet authorities who, as they were not at war with either America or Japan, were required to do so by an international law. The crew was eventually allowed to escape, air quotes, through Soviet-occupied Iran in May 1943.
0: Oh, that's a party. Just That's
1: some fun stuff.
0: All right, into the deserts of Iran. Mm. fun.
1: Let's get out of these cold deserts and into some warm ones. That sounds like a fun time. Yeah, we used to hate Iran a lot less than we do now. I don't think mm. enough
0: people fully realize that.
1: And that incidentally is also arguably America's
0: fault. It's kind of incredible actually that Japan like in such a relatively short amount of time have agreed to sell us like cell phones and TVs mm. and weird weird censored porn. Like we don't really deserve as much forgiveness as they've given
1: us. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. Like this is it's amazing just how different the American-Japanese relationship is now.
0: I mean, we've come a long way from, like, nuked one and a half of their cities off the map. <laughs> I feel like I would take... I personally, as a human being, would I need might more hold the grudge. 70 years to get over that.
1: Yeah, like, they forgave America before, like, the last people who had experienced it died, which is more than I'd be willing to offer if you nuked me.
0: <laughs> I mean, like... America are the ones who gave Japan their panty fetish that they've mm-hmm. been made fun of to this day. <laughs> and that's unforgivable in in America mm-hmm. occupied Japan, I mean, most people know this America occupied Japan for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And that's actually, I mean, not to not to downplay the effects of the atomic bomb. the American occupations where we really just fucked Japan right up.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: did a did a real number on their national psyche being occupied you know, illegally by America for just years afterwards. Mm. But uh, the uh, the Japanese panty fetish, it's, uh, the the reason that panties are a common fetish in Japan that has been, you know, lambasted around the world is... cross uh, uh,
1: catering to the uh, preferences of uh, American soldiers, wasn't it?
0: God, we have the same obscure bank of information in our heads. <laughs> we have to Twins. live like this for the rest of our <laughs> lives. There's no cure for people like us. Yeah, you're absolutely <laughs> right for reasons that aren't okay for either of us. <laughs> Uh, insufficient hugs and therapy, I think. Yeah, no, uh, prior to 1945, uh, Japanese women didn't wear underwear. It's just not really part... It's not their thing. I don't Mm -hmm. know. Lots of countries don't. Cultural difference. Just a cultural difference. The elastic waistband underwear just didn't make it to 1940s Japan. But in the wake of 1945, there was a huge need for Japanese prostitutes in Japan because the Japanese government didn't particularly want American soldiers raping Japanese women, which was the big fear. And they weren't entirely keen on them taking Japanese wives either. So there was this huge push for Japanese sex workers to... settle the men down. There's no (laughs) non-horrifying euphemism for this. There's not a good way of saying it. (laughs) Japanese sex workers started wearing panties to cater to Americans' preference for them because... Americans just believe that not wearing panties was unsanitary because that's mm. how they'd grown up. So in the national Japan's national psyche, have forever made this association between sex workers and panties because that's mm-hmm. the only people who wore them for a long time. What a fun thing we've done to this country, and now we make fun of them for selling used panties in vending machines, which is hugely illegal, by the way. <laughs> it is. It's not a legal thing. You don't just find that at the fucking mm. mall.
1: That's fascinating. You find it in sketchy alleyways.
0: Oh yeah, they're in the like the backs of bars that you need to know the fucking knock to
1: get into. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. We've done some terrible things.
0: We did. We did. Yeah, at least I know this because like I took seven years of Japanese language education out of a pointless act of teenage rebellion.
1: Yeah, um, and I just sort of know it.
0: <laughs> yeah, for some reason, my high school Japanese teacher was telling us this shit.
1: Oh, good stuff. Getting you ready for the culture.
0: <laughs> yeah, he used to drink cooking oil straight out of the jug. He was a strange man.
1: Yeah, sounds like just the fellow you need. Inspiring.
0: What a mentor. Who says
1: education's gone downhill.
0: Had a triple coronary a couple years ago. No longer ah, teaches. Ah, good for
1: him. <laughs> Probably all of the cooking oil. Mmm, Maybe.
0: I went to a high school with not enough oversight.
1: Not, not near enough. There's, oh, there's a order of magnitude of not okay there going on there. (laughs) So, 63 members of the raid were able to escape back to Allied territory with the help of Chinese soldiers and civilians, while one American died attempting to bail out of his bomber and two others drowned when their plane crashed into the ocean. A further, eight were captured by the Japanese Imperial Army. Three of that number were executed by firing squad, and the remaining five were interred as prisoners of war. Despite the loss of 15 planes, the Doolittle Raid was considered a success, a major boon to American morale. On the other side of the ledger, the Japanese suffered little material damage in the military and industrial targets struck by the Americans. In terms of casualties, there were around... Fifty dead and a hundred, sorry, and four hundred wo- wounded, including civilians.
0: It's kind of sad that like this is what used to boost national morale. Like mm, we'd yeah. up a bunch of Japanese people. <laughs>
1: Hoorah!
0: <laughs> I mean, we have FIFA now. We don't need this. We don't need world wars. Let's, yeah. let's not go let's, down. Let's this settle down. Day.
1: Let's play some whist. Just, just
0: cheer for the Italians and uh, call it a day and have fun.
1: The far greater blow was psychological. Despite Japanese leadership's propaganda to the contrary, 16 American bombers had been allowed to pass through Japanese airspace entirely unharried and unmolested. Worse, they had passed within striking distance of the Imperial Palace in Tokyo. The Japanese ruling elites had been embarrassed in front of the entire civilian populace, and the Japanese citizenry's trust in his leadership was shaken.
0: Yeah, if... If somebody flew a fucking bomber plane over Buckingham Palace and threatened good Queen Lizzie... Yeah, uh, if Beth the became under threat, thoughts. heaven forbid. England would lose its collective shit. Oh, nobody would be calm.
1: <laughs> Tea would be stirred with agitation.
0: Even if nothing happened to her, it would basically break the United Kingdom, psychologically. Parts of Canada would just be on fire.
1: The war in the Pacific Theatre continues from here with Japanese imperial forces attempting to regain their honor at the battle of midway 6 weeks later but as an immediate response to the raid on tokyo imperial general headquarters directed scientists and engineers at the of the nobarito institute to find some way of directly striking the american homeland which as others orders go is perhaps a bit vague i
0: mean it's a big it's chunk a of land. big ask also there's a there's a really big difference between bombing downtown Manhattan and bombing the Alaskan panhandle.
1: <laughs> it's you
0: technically you're bombing America but
1: Yeah, like America? Alaska has been within range of the of the theoretical capabilities of North Korea for a while now, but no one's really been that upset about it.
0: <laughs> Mount St. Helens could cover 80% of Montana in lava and it wouldn't really affect the world would continue anything. to turn. It wouldn't even be that big of a loss for America.
1: I mean, my my mom might be upset. I have relatives who live there.
0: Yeah, they can run lava's well, slow. Are
1: incarcerated there. Oh
0: no, they can't run.
1: <laughs> lava's
0: slow, but prison is slower.
1: <laughs> You're not a lot of fast running jails in Montana. This has been Physics Hour with Janelle. The elite minds of the Noburrito Institute came up with several plans for striking back at the Americans, of finding a way to attack the American mainland from Japan. One was a stripped-down, one-way, long-distance bomber, which would drop its payload on a large target on the West Coast, such as Seattle or San Francisco. Then, the plane itself would be crashed into some other high-value target, possibly as far away as New York City. This idea was quickly scrapped for the sake of practicality, to the 1942 Japanese military, may I just say, too soon—59 years too soon? too soon. Too soon. Is this a, is this a 9/11 joke? Is this the 9/11 joke <laughs> I was trying to avert earlier? <laughs> didn't it didn't happen anyway. I, I warned you that oh, my my monologue today was going to be reprehensible. This is this is a hate crime. <laughs> A second idea was that of a small bomber with floats for water landings that could be launched from the deck of a submarine. This plan progressed to the point that a, that a prototype submarine-launched bomber was used to an experimental sortie to bomb Siskiyou National Forest in Oregon in hopes of starting a forest fire. While technically successful, the plane was immediately spotted and the fires were quickly contained by response crews, and this project, too, was scrapped.
0: That's a lot of, like, money and effort to achieve something that is occasionally achieved by
1: lightning. Oh, exactly, right? Like, they're already spending a lot of money in the West in this period, just fighting natural forest fires.
0: Right, like, on the one hand, we have, like, lost Japanese lives, lost Japanese military equipment, uh, and on the other hand, we have irresponsible shithead with a cigarette butt. (laughs) Both just as devastating.
1: Fight. Fight. They're, gonna, they're just as much of a problem for the war effort.
0: I actually think that, like, no, cigarette butts probably won. I think probably yeah. more damage was caused by cigarette butts. And also, like, America's really good at putting out forest fires, or we would have had to abandon Portland a long time ago. If
1: the, the U.S. Forestry Service is nothing if not efficient. They're on it. Not that I'm, like, trying to get a job with the U.S. Forestry Service. Senpai, notice me. Um, <laughs> oh, dear
0: God. It's enough anime for you. I feel like your parent like when you've got to cut a kid off cuz they've had too many fruit loops like this is <laughs> too much sugar this is this is where we're at no more anime for you young lady
1: it's thematically appropriate you eat your
0: broccoli and you go to bed <laughs>
1: uh Finally, an old project from the 1930s, which experimented with using modified weather balloons to deliver ordnance over long distances, was revived under the command of Major General Kusaba, who, it turns out, was a middle-aged Japanese man, and not a large Ukrainian sausage in military uniform.
0: Oh, that's, that took me a second. I was just like, I just had the song 99 Red Balloons playing in my head and it was too loud for me to think over
1: it. <laughs> Keep it down. Germany.
0: I mean, that song, not to ruin all of your collective childhoods, but that song is an allegory for bombings. But, uh, I think it was meant more as a reflection on bombings and not instructions for how to carry that shit out.
1: The Germans are not okay, but they're a very particular kind of morose, thoughtful not okay.
0: (laughs) They're sort of just mad that we nuked Dresden off the map. It was a little bit of overkill. So they made a uh, passive-aggressive
1: scorched earth policy.
0: Passive-aggressive song about balloons to cope with it, but yeah, that wasn't that wasn't actually an earnest military strategy. Just tie a bunch of bombs to balloons and see what happens. But it was a
1: hell of a bop.
0: You gotta know your fucking.
1: It was a banger.
0: Wind currents really well. You really do. You're gonna blow up Saskatoon, <laughs> which is of they no really military. Yeah, Saskatoon is a target that is not of any military, personal, or material value to anybody.
1: Anybody. Not even if you live there. It's a terrible place. (laughs) Especially not if you live there. (laughs) Uh, The revived FUGO program, after a year of research, created a series of large hydrogen-free balloons with a potential range of thousands of miles, intended to be laden with ordnance and released from the decks of submarines off the west coast of the United States. This program, too, was shuttered, and the balloons' warehouse, when increased fighting in the Pacific, meant that no submarine could be spared for a mission of such limited material impact.
0: Every couple of years, humanity's like, you know what's awesome? Balloons. We don't do enough balloons. And then, like, the Hindenburg happens, and we kind of shelve balloons oh, no. for a couple oh, of years. Oh no. no.
1: And then, and then Justin Trudeau rented that huge duck.
0: Oh yeah. though this is, this is not us being on
1: drugs. Justin both, Trudeau... both international tragedies equally wrong.
0: <laughs> the Hindenburg, which I think many people died, and uh, Justin Trudeau putting a large rubber duck On the, I don't know where the fuck they parked it. Rideau Canal?
1: Uh, I think it was in Toronto. Oh,
0: yeah. Huge duck. duck. Yeah, big duck. He overpaid
1: for that duck. I know other people died. At least, allegedly. A lot of people were mad.
0: Yeah, the Hindenburg victims may have horribly burned to death, but you know.
1: Yeah, but at least it wasn't a duck. It was a really big duck. It was a little more serious. A little more somber. (laughs) Give dignity. Dignity to the boiling alive in the middle of the air. (laughs) Really Hmm. big duck. Huge duck <laughs> Oh the humanity
0: We're a serious country god damn it
1: mm, Very serious Even We're if all we in grey and have old timey news cast of voices
0: And we're about to go to war with the United States Over the price of cheese So you know mm,
1: We're, we're a real like... country We're serious people
0: Yeah when the US tries to fight you over trade routes That's when you're a real country
1: mm, This is the Finally of we've really made it <laughs> <laughs> We're not the kid brother being brought along to play goalie anymore. Nope. No, it's more of a
0: Cain and Abel situation now. Mm.
1: <laughs> Let's hit him in the head with a rocket. <laughs> now it's now it's Bible jokes. We've just come full circle. This was not to be the end of the fire balloon program. As the experts at No Burrito circled back to the initial question. How to attack the American mainland from Japan. Could a balloon launch from Japan, make it all the way to North America, 6,000 miles away. To answer these questions, No Burrito engineers had to solve two basic questions. One, to find a consistent, predictable wind pattern that could take the balloons all the way across the Pacific Ocean to the United States, and two, create a system that would prevent air inside the balloon from expanding to the point that the balloon exploded during the heat of the day and prevent it from shrinking to the point that it fell into the ocean during the cold of the night.
0: 99 red balloons. <laughs>
1: Dresden, we're sorry.
0: <laughs> Prematurely falling in the Pacific Ocean.
1: The second problem was solved through good, old-fashioned engineering. A system attached to a barometer that vented air whenever a balloon got too high and risked exploding, and jettisoned ballast in the form of attached sandbags whenever a balloon dipped too low and risked falling out of, out of the jet stream to meander about the mid-Pacific until it finally landed in the ocean. The first problem was solved with the help of the work of Japanese meteorologist Oshi Wasaburo, who discovered and developed a seasonal profile of the jet stream, a massive, high speed current of strong western winds blowing 9 to 12 kilometers above Japan. O- Oishi published his work describing the jet stream starting in 1926, but his papers were largely ignored by the international com- meteorological community, possibly because he was Japanese, but possibly because he published in Esperanto like a dork. Ugh, what a nerd nerd what are you meteorologists go study wind or something ew <laughs> ew you can't sit with us you study the wind <laughs>
0: gross we all study earthquakes yeah they're like totally radical they're totally in right now mm, they're so cool
1: i oh i did an earthquake
0: That might be her existing fault. (laughs) We've finally solved Jessica's sexuality.
1: Yeah, they say that all people have flaws. Well, I'm going full in. Mm. I want man who's all fault and no anything else.
0: I don't know what letter we need to add to the LGBTQ (laughs) acronym. Uh, Is that F? F for fault line or T for tectonic plates?
1: (laughs) (laughs) The T's already used. Let's go with the F.
0: Well, that all right. That's um, first step on the long road to acceptance. <laughs>
1: yeah, having a word. It's a lot of. It's just. It's. It's it like getting building a profile. People just don't know about us yet. It's invisible. And that invisibility is the problem.
0: You're cheating on the Metropolitan Transit Authority with a fault
1: line. Please, the MTA knows what I get up to.
0: Your mother is never getting grandchildren. <laughs>
1: I have other siblings.
0: (laughs) You can hump the San San Andreas fault line as much as you want. It will never impregnate you or give birth to your
1: offspring like fucking Zeus. (laughs) (laughs) Don't say that. Science is improving every day. Oh, dear God. (laughs) Using Oishi's studies of wind and surface temperature, meteorologist Arakawa Hidetoshi was able to... Project that the balloons released into the jet stream from Japan in winter would reach the United States in approximately 30 to 100 hours, depending on conditions. And just as a translator note, I am frustrated with the fact that I have to look up every Japanese name I encounter in all of my sources, because I can't tell if they put the nor- like the names the normal Japanese way of the family name first and the given name second, or if they did the dumb old translation thing and switched them.
0: You have problems that don't matter.
1: I know, but they matter to <laughs> me, Janelle. And as my friend, you should be supportive of my, not even first world problem, my specific to me problems. <laughs> My point zero 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 percent of the world problems, if you will.
0: I think maybe Asian people are occasionally annoyed that their names get switched around when they come here, but <laughs> I don't I don't think too many like white people from Grand Prairie just live in constant existential agony that this is done.
1: I think that names exist as their own beautiful thing. Like a particular choice that a mother or father has made, and that they sound fucking weird when they're put in the wrong order. Like, if you called me Pijo Jessica, it'd be weird.
0: Yeah, it sounds like I'm rattling off the list for
1: fucking hot lunch in the fifth grade. It's It's like the verbal nomenclature equivalent of cutting your nails too short. It just sort of feels wrong.
0: You live in such a fascinating world of terrifying, disconnected sensations. Just, you're like basically the fucking Large Hadron Collider. There's just a bunch of stuff <laughs> spinning around in there. And every now and then, just two things run into each other and just... That's thats basically my
1: creative pro- process.
0: Yep, you just, you never know what you're gonna get. You're basically the fucking yeah. bullet of comedy. Will it be Higgs boson? Will it be a displaced 9-11 joke that we shouldn't have made? <laughs> you never know.
1: You never know, and really, that's the magic of living. Either way, we're mad at the French. (laughs) A third problem remained unsolved. The unguided, random nature of the balloons, which could never be used for precision targeting of high-value American military, industrial, and cultural assets. The Imperial Army estimated that only 10% of the balloons would reach North America. And of that 10%, a majority would end up statistically settling down in sparsely populated rural areas. This not even accounting for the unknown number of bombs that would fail to detonate. This third problem was never solved, but it was eventually decided that the threat of forest fires, the nuisance effect of fighting them, and the potential terror effect on the American civilian population was sufficient to continue the project, albeit with the knowledge that that an effective campaign would require thousands of balloons, a heavy lift for the resource-starved Japan.
0: I just feel like if you're smart enough to figure out how to get a balloon to drift from Japan to the United States, you're smart enough to come up with something better than a fucking balloon <laughs> as your avenue of terrorism.
1: Like, this is just a fascinating level of, of clever. It's like, it's like, it's so smart at the same time. It's like, it's indicative. So dumb. It's so dumb. And like, I think it's sort of indicative of like the whole "tall poppy" pro- problem, where no one, like, when when once an idea becomes popular, no one feel, no one feels that they can disagree. <laughs> the moment they had committed to terrorism via balloon, the l- second least scary party favor. <laughs> <laughs> What's the least scary? Um, probably cake. True. Because like piñatas are frightening, and like and like the hats those are donkeys right you oh, stab yeah. are are frightening, and like those horns are frightening, and like the other children are frightening, and even like presents have quite a deal of like fraught social tension to them. What if you don't like anything? What if you can't pretend to like everything?
0: In I any feel case, like... I have
1: a lot of like birthday-related trauma, but like balloons say, are just startling. This is
0: your elaborate way of telling me that you were invited to a single birthday party in the first grade, screamed for ninety minutes, and never went to another one.
1: Yeah, I got a tummy ache. Aw, it's got so excited, and I ate a lot of birthday cake, and it was really loud, and you know, bowling. Just, it was a lot. It's it was a, a lot. lot. It's a lot. It was a lot. I just that feel was enough like enough birthday for one lifetime. <laughs> That's
0: it. I'm one. Forever, sufficient bitches.
1: birthday.
0: That's- I'm- I've got the gist. I have- I'm- I measure my birthdays on it. planet Neptune. Birthdays. That's it.
1: <laughs> Fine, I got the idea. <laughs>
0: I just feel like weaponizing balloons as a means of waging war is like remodeling your home by reprogramming a Roomba to just ram itself into the wall until the wall collapses. Like you, it's it's impressive it's that you can do it. It's just such a small weapon. There's just there's so many better options. There's such easier ways. If you're smart enough to do that, it's so have, complicated. Yeah, you're really missing out. You're on overthinking it. Better options, just better choices. What you're doing is kind of adorable, more than <sighs> it is frightening. I also feel like it fails to take into account that like a lot of America is just uninhabited.
1: Oh, just absolutely, especially the West Coast. You're gonna. It's like, slightly... not like the West Coast, West Coast, but like all that bit, like a several miles land. You're gonna
0: slightly inconvenience part of a field in Idaho.
1: Mm-hmm. And no You're one. You're gonna will care. mildly perplex perplex a goose.
0: That's that's about what's gonna happen. Most we all we're dumb. We all cram ourselves into little tiny geographical areas along the coast. Most of America is just abandoned Dunkin' Donuts and highways. That's it.
1: Yeah, it's just. That's just that's just how we are. We stay in the warm beds and the wet bits. and we we're happy with that. We
0: don't spread out. Everything else is just slowly decaying blockbuster videos. Mm. The occasional potato field.
1: That's all we need. Mm-hmm. Speaking of potatoes, the balloons were made of washi, a type of strong lightweight paper made from the made from the kozo, a type of mulberry tree native to Japan. You can Pages still of- buy
0: washi now. it's Yeah, a, it's a you can way still to, buy it. It's You can make get washi tape. It's a way to decorate your apartment without your Yay! landlord getting mad at you.
1: Mm-hmm. Pages of washi were layered together and sealed with paste made from cognac, which is not an alcoholic drink. It's a root oh. vegetable, also known as devil's tongue. That this potato glue was edible caused some problems with the hungry workers eating it, uh, which is unsurprising, considering they were all growing teenage girls.
0: What the fuck?
1: Yeah, yeah. Every I part had, of that I,
0: sentence, I have thoughts about. <laughs> Every
1: yeah, like the part. vast majority of people working in these uh, these factories, because so many, much of the male population population had been like taken off to war, um, were were primarily high schoolers. They were high school girls. Um Just eat and paste. Uh, headmaster at Yamaguchi uh, re- initially resisted uh, the high school girls being taken away to go to the factories. But, uh, the, the girls themselves were so into this idea, were so into the idea of, like, doing their best for the war effort. Like, they, there's, like, there's just this conversation between, like, three girls discussing whether or not they should write a petition in blood to be allowed to go to the factory. Mm. And that's, that's very anime. Blind patriotism is a hell of a drug. That's that's very Madoka Magica. It's dark.
0: <laughs> I just like that they're like, all right, what is our ultimate weapon of war against the United States? Paper mache projects
1: with high school students.
0: <laughs> Done. That's gonna
1: do. Chop class it. has never been more deadly. Excellent. Let's get some. Let's get some art teachers out here. Chop chop. All right, kids, don't eat paste. Uh, and these factories were pretty rough. They they, they had dark sauna like conditions. The girls were barefoot. Uh, walking in paper pulp, uh, which will often result in fungal infections, oh, for 12-hour shifts. Moist. Uh, you know, like, they're getting they're getting the paper mache factory version of trench foot for this.
0: Yeah, do you uh, want to stomp around in wet paper for 12 hours is always a no. Always.
1: Like, I don't want to do it for three seconds. That is way too long. Ugh. These teenage girls eventually made around 9,000 to 10,000 balloons. all. 10 meters, or 33 feet in diameter, and weighing approximately 69 kilos, or 152 pounds. At the height of paper manufacturing in Japan in the winter of 1944, the teenage factory workers who didn't keep up with the pace of production were forced to stay late at the drying boards until they finished their work, and then stand outside barefoot in the snow as punishment.
0: In high school, I occasionally felt put out if my father would not pick me up from school, and I had to walk the 18 minutes home. That was suffering for me.
1: Context. You don't know how good you got it, kid. Night shift workers were given- like, these girls were basically punished with a regular trip downtown in Edmonton for me. I think about that a lot. Just barefoot in the snow. Although when it's snow, I usually wear sandals. Night shift workers were given what they were told were vitamins. Actually, pep pills. Amphetamines like those given to pilots to keep them awake for long hours.
0: There was a really long time in the 20th century where we just thought that amphetamines were gonna fix all. We of our just problems.
1: thought that meth was the best idea.
0: We we really humanity is better a better than to sliced just... toast. Yeah, we discover and things artificial and
1: artificial butter. We go way too far.
0: Way too far. Absolutely.
1: We, we just go on, uh, right off the rails.
0: We discussed this on uh, the Radium Girls. We discovered radium and we wanted it in our in and around our bodies at all times. We wanted just it everywhere. All of it in
1: our mouths.
0: We discovered lead. We wanted to make pipes out of it and put it in our gasoline. Uh, mm. We discover uh, pretty much anything. We were
1: all about them neurotoxins. We
0: discovered amphetamines and we're like, well now we can lose weight and Judy Garland can dance longer. So we're pretty much good.
1: Yeah, this, this is, is, like, the best thing. This is Isn't the future amazing? Coming right to your door. Feed meth to
0: <laughs> children. That was really the solution to a lot of really was... dumb problems. Yeah, if you're ever, like, feeling lazy compared to people from the past, you kind of have to remember Holy that they cow. were all on just absolute fistfuls just of amphetamines.
1: ridiculous amounts of drugs.
0: <laughs> the reason grandma could eat lard deep-fried in lard is, and still be eighty pounds is because Grandma could go get amphetamines from her doctor, literally anytime she wanted. It's because their blood was vibrating.
1: Their actual DNA was rocketing off of its hinges.
0: You can feel just like Great Grandpapa did, but you're
1: gonna wash a dish for forty three hours. You're gonna you're gonna make your china so thin with scrubbing, you're gonna be able to see through that shit. <laughs>
0: Uh, You're going to have
1: translucent porcelain. The human body is fun. Fascinating. Uh, Notably, American forces were not entirely ignorant of something odd going on, having found a small number of downed balloons in the Pacific, including one a short ways off the coast of California. But the overarching assumption was this must be for some meteorological purpose. Not that the balloons themselves were important.
0: They were like, ah, those crazy Japanese people measuring the weather with... A hundred and eighty two pound paper mache
1: monstrosities. this is odd. There's no possible explanation for this. and the only the only idea they came to, which is like makes a lot of sense, is that the Japanese were trying to figure out like how to do a bombing run of some kind. Like they were mapping the winds for flight patterns.
0: I mean, the fact that, like, nobody knows about this just tells you that. It really wasn't, that we've never taken it seriously. Even seven no, years later, we still not. do not take the Japanese balloon bombing efforts seriously. So it, they're balloons! I can't really blame the people what who found next? the What next, a
1: kamikaze party hat?
0: <laughs> we know exactly what the fuck they were up to now, and we're still like,
1: <laughs> so <sighs> Japanese. Losers. <laughs> Losers. You and <in> your panties. <laughs> <laughs> Launch of the fire balloons began in earnest in the early hours of November 3rd, 1944. The balloons were designed to float westward using the strong winter winds of the jet stream, venting gas and cutting ballast when necessary over the course of three days. At which point, it would cut its payload of anti-personnel or incendiary bombs, strike its final fuse, rise into the sky, and self-destruct. Which is honestly just so anime. It's extremely shonen. It's Naruto.
0: Yeah, you're you're going on a detox. <laughs> Not, not green juice and wheatgrass smoothies. You're going on an anime detox. I'm just going to uh, sit you down I. in front of <laughs> 14 hours of Jerry Springer a day until this is gone. Nani? <laughs> Talk to
1: your car. Uh, December 6th, Thermopolis, Wyoming. Locals are spooked by a large explosion and the apparent sighting of a parachute that then disappears. December 11th, Kalispell, Montana... A pair of woodcutters found an odd downed balloon that they reported to the authorities. The FBI found the Japanese found Japanese characters within the envelopes which two locals of Japanese extract identified as a factory pack. See, this is exactly what I was talking about though. You put
0: in all this effort, you put in all this energy all this work. and you just you unsuccessfully bomb Wyoming. <laughs> I'm pretty You're sure just Wyoming to fuck up Montana. accidentally ignites fertilizer and causes larger explosions and more damage <laughs> than this did.
1: Yeah, like, there's been the odd combine harvester accident that has caused more, more, more financial ruin to the government.
0: Right, like, somebody could accidentally bomb Wyoming and Montana tomorrow, and we would still struggle to care.
1: Yeah, like, we might not even hear about it, depending which part. If you just randomly bombed... A square yard of Montana, chances are you wouldn't. Not only would you not kill anybody, you wouldn't kill anything.
0: You wouldn't inconvenience anybody. Nobody would even hear it. I've driven through Montana. It's like, oh, look, mountains. Oh, oh, there's more. Oh, Oh, there's more. oh somebody lives oh, up there. Look at that
1: tree. Oh, we're
0: back to mountains. Yeah, like you would like
1: mildly inconvenience a ladybug that got flipped over briefly. You
0: might <laughs> topple over one of their weird rock formations, and they'd be mad about it. But yeah, no,
1: you 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 might you might singe a tree.
0: This is a far cry from like we can't hit strategic military targets to like ah we're gonna bomb Wyoming.
1: <laughs> yeah, we can't hit target Like, this <laughs> is, this is like, like Not only are you not hitting The dartboard You're flinging it right into the opposite wall <laughs> okay. Your aim is bad And What's important, I
0: think, to remember is that While they were doing this, while they were spending An incredible amount of time and energy to Balloon bomb The Midwest Einstein was in the basement
1: of my school
0: Frantically making The
1: atomic bomb Absolutely. It's just, like, a order of magnitude that really, I think, shows off what an uneven fight Japan picked.
0: This isn't even, like, like, bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's
1: ridiculous. You're
0: literally bringing balloons to an
1: atomic nuclear war. (laughs) Yeah, like, Japan was not ready for the Cold War. (laughs) They were decidedly behind. They
0: weren't ready for the fucking bombing of Hiroshima. I mean, Mm. nobody could be, but still, like... Yeah. (laughs) They, were, they still thought that
1: this was balloon war. No, no, no. Investigators quickly came to the conclusion that this massive balloon of Japanese manufacture must have one of three purposes. To carry spies, to engage in an aerial bombardment, or to drop incendiary bombs that might set fire to the forest. The idea of spies and saboteurs was quickly dismissed as the balloons showed no signs of a manual mechanism for a human to control. The idea of an incendiary attack was likewise dismissed as infeasible in the winter. Thus, aerial bombardment must be the goal. Investigators further assumed that the balloon must have been released from a ship or submarine in the East Pacific, as no balloon could have traveled the distance from Japan to Montana. It was not until... Inspecting the a downed balloon recovered off the coast of California several weeks prior, which retained an intact ballast timing device, the in- the investigators came to the conclusion that the balloons were designed for a multi-day Pacific voyages and had most likely been released from near the Japanese home islands.
0: If I drop a weapon on your head, and it takes multiple people several days to figure out that it's even a weapon, I fucked up. You, you've you've made a mistake. There has been an error. They would have been better off just like carpet bombing the United States mainland with peanuts and just hoping that important people were allergic.
1: Yeah, like like they would have been better off just not doing anything. Like this is literally using up factories and workers and effort and trees. Like <laughs> <laughs> That's true. This was a, like like throwing good money after bad. It was a massive investment in something basically pointless.
0: Yeah, if I drop a bomb on you and you guys have got a fucking vote on what the hell it's supposed to be, it's it's like when a child comes home with a drawing from kindergarten and you're like, oh, what a pretty dog, dog, elephant. <laughs> That's you, mom. <laughs> Help me out here. I don't. I'm not quite sure what I'm looking at. Uh,
1: this is an interesting game, Chantel. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's that, but applied to warfare, and also no one involved is named Chantel.
1: Hmm, Sakura, right? That's a Japanese name. Well, it's closer. Hmm, <laughs> it's a flower.
0: I know. It's also it is a Japanese name. Yeah,
1: cool. Excellent.
0: Cherry. It's a cherry blossom.
1: Finally, I am learning the ways of the master.
0: I spent many years in Japanese classes to learn that. I had to take a second language in high school, and my parents were like, you're French, so you'll be learning French. And I was feeling arbitrarily rebellious that week, and I was like, no. Screw, Screw you, you Mom, Mom and Dad. I'm learning Japanese. And then I, just, I, ha- I couldn't back down. So. See?
1: And one day, uh, a friend of mine just sort of sat on me and made me watch the first two episodes of Naruto, Naruto while I cried. From the episodes or from the being? They're so upon? bad.
0: They're so bad. Oh, they're kind of cute. <laughs> the first episodes are just so poorly edited. This is this is. We have a weird, angry audience as it is. We don't need weird, angry anime nerds added to that.
1: I think the run with his arms is cute. Oh dear God, we're gonna get hate mails. Fun.
0: <laughs> we're gonna get weird, angry anime fan dick pics in our inbox, and it's gonna be your fault.
1: I look forward to it. we mm, we'll make a collage. Mmm, make it in the shape of Naruto's face. Just out of sad fanboy dick pics. Oh dear god. <laughs> Use a lot of yellow, folks.
0: If you send me a dick pic to my Twitter account, I will find you and I will shit on your dog.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right on its little fuzzy face. <laughs>
0: I will wipe the joy from its eyes. (laughs) It's
1: gonna pop a squat over Rover. (laughs) Don't fucking test me. (laughs) I am not to be meddled with. (laughs) Uh, December 31st, a rancher found a balloon hanging from a tree in a forest near Estacada, Oregon. Ah, a crucial military target, if ever there was one. Vital, the very lifeblood of the country. Yeah, heart of America. January 4th, two farmers in a field heard whistling and a thud, followed by a massive pillar of fire that rose 30 feet into the air. (laughs) Oh, that's kind of fun. They entertained a farmer. (laughs) Great, two, entertain two whole farmers.
0: They really underestimated.
1: I bet they it. got mileage out of that for decades.
0: The Japanese really underestimated how much space America wastes on parking lots and corn.
1: Those are our two <laughs> it's favorite a lot. things.
0: If you if you're bombing us, that's what you're hitting.
1: Yeah, in this case, they just blew the shit out of some f- alfalfa feeds. <laughs> just kick the crap out of some cow food darndest thing
0: Jebediah ever did see but you know other than that
1: (laughs) and like the previous darndest thing Jebediah ever saw was just a chicken that survived having its head cut off so you know that was Jebediah's day (laughs) so
0: they basically achieved the destruction already accomplished by redneck shooting at gas cans
1: absolutely wonderful this was a propane and propane accessories style crime (laughs) I just made a reference Am I Leet? Am I with it? Am I hipping in with the kids? <laughs> Don't get too dizzy. You know, make sure you're sitting down. <laughs> this is a big yeah. day for you. Yeah, this is the taste of glory within my grasp. <laughs> uh, on the same day, as the ra- as the ranchers in their pillar of fire, another balloon crashed, crashed into an apple orchard near Sebastopol. California. This balloon was the closest yet to intact, as the detonator had failed and four damaged incendiary bombs were yet attached to the device. Stories about the various balloon incidents found their way into the local news, then filtered their way into national magazines. December 14th, the Western News, a newspaper out of Libby, Montana, coincidentally the town where an older relative of mine was convicted of over 50 cases of misdemeanor dog-bothering, ran a highly embellished front-page story on the Kalispell incident, titled, Jet Balloon Found in Timber. January 1st, articles about the incident appeared in both Newsweek and The Times.
0: I didn't hear any of that, because I'm still... Dog-bothering is a crime? Is that the terminology that was used? I believe it's an archaic term for the same activity. Dog-bothering just sounds like a (laughs) euphemism for you fucked a dog.
1: (laughs) I can neither confirm nor deny that I have a relative in a Libby, Montana jail for fucking a dog.
0: What a fun family you have.
1: (laughs) Uh, So if you're wondering at this point, why the heck wasn't there a massive panic? Why the heck have I never heard about this? That's for a good reason. January 2nd, Western Defense Command Contacted the various major news outlets and wire services and told them to put the kibosh on the Japanese balloon coverage, a decision backed by the Office of Censorship in Washington on January 4th which requested that editors kill the story for the sake of national security and avoiding giving the Japanese the widespread terror they wanted. Complete suppression likewise required the cooperation of the Canadians as several balloons set down throughout Canada's western provinces and territories, the first being in Saskatchewan. Oh, we helped. Also, yeah, if there's a
0: target more worthless than Montana, rural Saskatchewan and the Northwest
1: Territories are pretty much dead on. Yeah, like, the only way you could be, like, flatter and more depressing and less densely populated than the American West, congratulations, you're Saskatchewan.
0: Or the Northwest Territories. I mean, in California, you're going to struggle to hit something important. In the Northwest Territories, you're going to struggle to have this explosion where anyone will even notice it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like, you might get seen by, like, a stone surfer in California just overlooking some waves, but, like, you're lucky if you were witnessed directly by a pika, Like, if you're bombing, like, the Northwest Territories.
0: It's 2018, and there are large parts of the Northwest Territories that are still only accessible by biplane and ice road. Yeah. Honestly, bombing them, they they would just be flattered
1: that you cared. (laughs) Enough (laughs) to bomb them. They'd be blushing. Oh, bless your heart. Oh, uh, that's, a, that's real sweet. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> they
1: have Newfoundland accents. I didn't accents. know you thought of us. No mm. one
0: goes up to check, but it's real. Don't <laughs> no questions on
1: this one. I am not doing an imitation of an of an Inuit accent on this podcast. I've gone far enough. Oh, is that where
0: we draw <laughs> the line? That's where
1: we draw that's, the line. That's the line for today. I've still got a lot. This was a backloaded podcast. <laughs> you
0: implied that your family fucks dogs, and again... <laughs> You made a 9-11 joke, but you know what? No. Inuit accents, that is just I have heinous. a quota.
1: I, I have, have a, a quota. conscience, madam. <laughs> Too far. <laughs> the biggest concern shared by the Canadians and the Americans was that the balloons might eventually be used to transport biological agents. Germ warfare.
0: They're going to cough into them.
1: They're going to get... The world's oldest, tiniest man to just cough into this balloon. Like a
0: flying smallpox blanket. Oh, that's (laughs) another joke we shouldn't have made. Brute.
1: We're on a roll today. Mm, News of the Kalispan balloon eventually made it into a Chinese newspaper, the Takung Pao, the only confirmation that the Japanese ever received that any of the balloons reached their intended target. Just this small scrap of information was plenty of fuel from the Imperial propaganda machine. In fact, it could be argued that the entire Fugo campaign was launched for almost entirely home-based propaganda purposes. So balloon-based reasons. Absolutely. Just inflating the national spirit and papering over the wounds of the
0: past. Nope. Go back to the genocide (laughs) jokes. Those (laughs) the puns are worse. The puns are worse.
1: Killing the story didn't stop the balloons, however. Sightings and explosions continued at pace for several months, as far north as Alaska, as far south as the Mexican border, and as far inland as Iowa and Manitoba. Ooh. While suppression of information perhaps stifled a possible panic or more morale victory for the enemy, it also meant that civilians who spotted the balloons would often inspect them themselves, only calling the authorities later, if at all. One per- Just poke it with a stick. Absolutely. One particular incident involved a balloon that had become entangled in overhead power lines. It had been found by a group of boys that proceeded to poke at the balloon's fuse and its attached bombs filled with pic- picric acid. In February, the Canadians suggested that some form of public announcement warning civilians in sparsely populated areas to avoid interfering with any of these objects and report them to the police was necessary. God damn it! Of course it's the Canadians. Of course it's Americans the Canadians. Americans see something suspicious "Worrying and, and like, fretting." All right,
0: like I'm not gonna go near that. I don't know what that is. That could be. That could be bad for me. The Canadians are like, "Oh well, what have we got here,
1: eh?" Oh no, that looks. That looks mighty interesting. Is that a balloon? I did. Who? It, it must be Janet and the people, the girls down at the office. I never even told them it was my birthday. Garden, get a stick. <laughs> We're gonna poke it. We're gonna unwrap this, boy. (laughs) (laughs) It would be another three months before any such public warning was made. In America, that is. The Canadians totally put out a warning. Basically, Canadian police were explicitly told to inform rural civilians of the danger, albeit without revealing the full scope of the situation, and encourage them to tell other members of the community on the DL.
0: And that was the last time the federal government ever gave a shit about
1: rural Canadians. <laughs> yeah, this re- this resulted in an increase in false positive reports of balloons, but no real panic. Because again, like, there's
0: a very real fear of polar bears. By comparison, like... Mysterious
1: balloons—they balloons. just don't even register. They're like Japanese balloons. It's—it it, they're balloons. <laughs> like they could be satanist balloons, and most people would be like, Oh, that's weird."
0: <laughs> yeah, when you're watching a grizzly bear just chew the head off an elk, like
1: yeah, you, you get a really, nerd. Yeah,
0: they don't—they don't really make don't, a blip on the not radar. Not a blip.
1: <laughs> A change to the American censorship policy came only after a fatal incident on May 5th in Oregon. A Sunday school class on a trip stopped by the side of the road. This is almost... Parody innocent victim.
0: Yeah, this is like almost tailor made to piss off Americans.
1: This is nuns in a bus style shit. <laughs> nuns in a bus on their way to an art, like an NRA convention. Nuns- this is how much this upsets the American soul.
0: Nuns in a bus just sounds like the start of either a, a very wholesome afternoon or a porno. Those are the only mm. two possibilities.
1: Just a very offensive comment. <sighs> Uh, That'll get you you excommunicated. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't want Uh, me anyway. At the side of the road, they stumbled across a downed balloon. Not knowing what it was, they gathered around it. It's suspected that one of the boys touched the device, setting off a yet active explosive attachment. The four boys died instantly. A girl and a pregnant woman, who had been standing further back, died quickly after. So... Hashtag feminism, I guess.
0: Yeah, the way to go, Japan. You didn't build <laughs> any large military targets, but you did manage to murder several children and a pregnant woman at Sunday school.
1: Yeah, boy, did you ever teach the wife of the pastor. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> the bombs caused very little damage to material assets in North America. Fires from incendiary bombs resulting in far less damage and cost than even the price tag of a normal year's wildfires though one balloon nearly caused catastrophic damage to one of the most valuable important strategic military assets in the American in, in the American's possession when it hit a high tension wire belonging to the uh, the Bonville Power Administration taking out a power grid that just so happened to serve the Hanford site a west coast arm of the Manhattan project mm,
0: so they did they did almost do some damage, but, like, still kind yeah. of on par with a downed tree.
1: Yeah, luckily the Hanford plant had plenty of safeguards, and instead of irradiating the state of Washington, backups quickly came online, and loss of power only resulted in a two-day delay. Uh, the same day as the top-secret scare in Hanford, March 10th, American forces were dropping... 1,665 imperial tons of incendiary ordnance on Tokyo in the form of 500-pound napalm cluster bombs destroying around 16 square miles of the city and killing an estimated 100,000 people. If your
0: weapon of mass destruction causes less damage than a particularly dry summer, you're not good at this.
1: It, it, this is not the best bang for your buck. This is not an effective military strategy. Find something else you're good. I, I d- doubt this is gonna come in on Call of Duty.
0: There's, you know, a lot of human ingenuity went into this, and it's just... This This wasn't your calling, this, my friend. A lot
1: of sm- smart people spent the war this way.
0: It's, it makes me angry, because, you know, we had all these very smart, brilliant people who were alive at this time. Uh, Einstein worked on the Manhattan Project, as did many scientists of his day. Um, and... We just spend all these, all this time and all this effort and all this brain power trying to fucking nuke each other off the map. I could have had a goddamn robot made by now.
1: My goodness. We still don't really have This is why we should that... never distract the Japanese.
0: Right? God damn it. I have to No wash.
1: balloons allowed, Yasuhiro.
0: <laughs> I have to sweep my own floor and- Because of you because of you people we're still working on Roombas that know how to cope with the fact that stairs
1: exist Mm, and that's a delay I think we can put directly at the directly at the feet of the distracted No Burrito Institute that and the fact that their name sounds like a command not to have Mexican food
0: No Burrito No Burrito I, that, is that racist? I don't know, that's kind of the least of our concerns at this point in this
1: episode. <laughs> uh, this is far and beyond the problem. We're
0: beyond racist at this point.
1: <laughs> I don't even know what kind of is this is.
0: We've transcended your usual garden variety hate crimes, and we're on to new and exciting fancy hate crimes.
1: It's almost so offensive it doesn't register. <laughs> it
0: goes full circle.
1: <laughs> the rate of fire balloon sightings dropped as the winter winds faded and summer came. This, of course, was already near the end for Japan. Their fleet in the Pacific having been crippled, their armies in Manchuria soon to be overrun. Japan surrendered slash got nuked like a hot pocket in August of 1945, long before the return of the Western winds in the fall.
0: Yeah, that was sort of it for them. They just settled back to make four decades of traumatized post-nuclear
1: war movies instead. This directly led to Godzilla. It was it not did. a good time.
0: I mean, but we have Godzilla now.
1: I mean, was it worth it? No. I, but was I, it worth it? Absolutely not. You cannot. But was
0: it worth it? No, you cannot no. say yes. You cannot say that the deaths of hundreds <laughs> a lot of thousands of people, are of dead. Japanese people were worth the existence of Godzilla. I'm, oh, art, I'm willing to allow art is a, a lot.
1: valuable cultural product, but I, I'm I'm confident in that. I that suit was hilarious, but no,
0: no, no. I have I will let you say lots of horrible things on this podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, like nuked like a hawk pocket.
0: <laughs> that was Apparently. bad. I did I did notice that, <laughs> but I will not allow you to argue that the existence of Godzilla versus Mothra was <laughs> worth. Children died. Come on.
1: They weren't I mean like they They die, but like they evaporated It's almost like a video game death
0: Or they died riddled (laughs) with tumors years later One or the other She says Like you're choosing between apple juice And orange juice on an airplane (laughs) Getting a lot of mileage out of that voice tonight Life is full of
1: surprises
0: Like being vaporized at school
1: (laughs) Yeah I mean like that's a unique Experience they totally did not tell their grandkids about it, though, because they were dead.
0: You say that like <laughs> something you put on your college application. <laughs>
1: oh,
0: dear God.
1: Yeah. I think I have the ability to endure. Why? I'm a survivor.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna play this game <laughs> And I'm for mildly you.
1: radioactive to this day.
0: <laughs> what did you do? Hmm? Why are you radioactive?
1: Oh, I'm, I'm play-acting. I'm getting into the mood.
0: Oh, God. Uh, It's believable. I would believe it (laughs) if you told me that I needed to start carrying a fucking Geiger counter to be around you. If you told me, buy a Geiger counter before I see you next, I would do it, unquestioningly.
1: If I just, like, said to you, like, oh, hi, by the way, next time we podcast in person, we have to do it in two half an hour stretches because no one's allowed to legally be in the same room as me. For more than 30 minutes at a time.
0: (laughs) I'd I'd go
1: with it. (laughs) You'd believe me. I'd update my vaccines
0: and I'd go with it.
1: (laughs) Even so, it is unlikely that the Fugo program would have continued for another year, according to Japanese officials interviewed after the surrender. And yeah, that's the Fugo program. I owe a lot to Ross Allen Cohen and his book Fugo, Uh, In that, I basically summarized his entire over 200-page work into six pages.
0: (laughs) So you owe him a lot, but also you're taking a lot of credit here.
1: A lot. A lot. That's a lot of... You got a lot of excess. You gotta cut the fat. Six-page book. Do it.
0: Yeah, well, when I uh, was thinking ahead to what I'd be doing at 5 o'clock in the morning this morning... Uh, talking about Japanese war balloons was not really high on my list of priorities, so thank you for that. Don't
1: you feel don't you feel like we've bonded over this? Don't you Jap- feel closer to me? Japanese it's like we're sharing the same balloons. foxhole. Just listening to the Germans shell outside.
0: It's like it's like, it's like falling you, in love. It's like on your way to our planet. They just, in in lieu of programming you with a childhood, they just made you watch a bunch of movies, and Saving Private Ryan got thrown
1: into the mix. Yeah, but it was like it was like back to back Saving Private Ryan again and again. Then with like the entire oeuvre of Jim Carrey. And now
0: you think that you fought in World War II, and also that World War II is hilarious.
1: <laughs> it was a gas. <laughs> Get it? It's mustard gas. Yes. <laughs> Uh, people's lungs melted.
0: You have to hump tectonic plates because I don't think the government of Canada can legally allow you to date.
1: <laughs> Apparently, if I'm ever found to breed, they're gonna send me back to the facility.
0: Health Canada just they have an obligation to combat infectious diseases and uh, public health crises and and Jessica.
1: Yeah, alarm goes off every time I enter enter a hospital.
0: It's like, you've gotta have a key code to get your own pants off, and they monitor how many times those fuckers
1: come down. <laughs> yeah, I got a barcode on the back of my neck. Real trendy. It's great. It's awesome.
0: <laughs> just, you're just basically a bundle of red flags that can podcast.
1: <laughs> red is my favorite color. Mm. That and Harry Periwinkle, though. Harry Winkle's my favorite shade. It's pretty. It, oh, all right. Good, good to know that they programmed
0: you with an appreciation of blue. I guess.
1: Hmm, periwinkle. It's almost purple. It's fun. That's fun. We well, hope you've enjoyed this today's episode. Um, I'm Jessica, and
0: I am s- still Janelle, and I have a I'm lot of, of decisions in my life that I need to rethink. Mostly, associating with you. That's.
1: I ate an entire cabbage today.
0: You also made several jokes about genocide. So, you know, cabbage is kind of further down that <laughs> list.
1: And terrorism.
0: That, that as well. People died, Jessica.
1: Go eat- <laughs> and Naruto. All equally wrong.
0: <laughs> you you continue to be a fucking neutral bullet of horrors. <laughs> all blended into one.
1: I do like smoothies. Oh, God. And we have been fat, French, French and and fabulous. fabulous. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did enjoy it, do rate, review us, subscribe, or recommend us to a friend. It really does help.